A um, couple things quickly before we get started. If you guys could please subscribe to the YouTube channel, we would sincerely appreciate that. We also have uh, some social media profiles. You can find a link to those in the description of this video. If you guys could follow us there as well, we would appreciate that. All right. Welcome to the Two Sons Podcast, our last Wednesday morning show before lots and lots and lots of stuff changes. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully this will be the last time that I have to bundle up like I'm going on a ski trip to report, record a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's cold. Luke's crazy ass is wearing, uh, wearing shorts right now. It's a socks and sandals type type morning uh, yes, here in Tucson. It, it is it is 50 degrees a here in Tucson. Now, it, a lot of you probably are more familiar with real cold, but here in Tucson, this is how we handle the cold. <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't know how to handle it, to be honest. Um, how are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. So you're talking about maybe the fact that you and Carly might be getting a great purities? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a long story, but, uh, uh, there's a, there's a little puppy. His name is Rip. He's, uh, like a hundred pound, big old male. Wow. A little hundred pound puppy. Great Pyrenees, but, uh, we need to, we need to have some more conversations about it. But right now, essentially the dog is on a, uh, on a many acre lot that is unfenced. I see. And is leaving and bothering neighbors. <laughs> it sounds as, like as a great Pyrenees. with, yes. Do you know what else great Pyrenees do? What? So yesterday I get home, Lola dug a huge hole. That's fine. Dogs do that. I also found a bone hidden in our fireplace. <laughs> so right now our entire house is just like walled off, right? So we have literally trash bags taped in front of our fireplace because we're ripping up the floors and there's just dust everywhere, right? Yes. So Lola had a bone and, and uh, Elena left her a bone before she left to work, right? So then I get home and the like the cinders, like the volcanic rock, like cinder type material that's in the base of gas fireplaces are just everywhere in my living room. <laughs> she had she had pushed her head through the the barrier, the trash bag barrier, uh -huh. and then started digging that stuff out and then just left an entire bone there. <laughs> As if that was like the most a normal thing. <laughs> it was basically her vault. This is where I <laughs> yeah, this is tucked around the corner. Entirely area. secure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, it may or may not be happening. We'll, we'll, uh, we're still, we still have some conversations we need to have. And so much is still up in the air right now, um, just with the Halloween party this week. Yeah, uh, which I on that you. note, you so you have three shifts left. Yes, That's I have insane. today, which is my last patient day, and then two shifts after that, just to kind of you know. You're just doing charts box. on Thursday, Friday? Yeah. How about just, that, dude? Just doing messaging, you know, going over lab results. Just get all your set up for future stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I will say there's been some there's been some sick patients lately, man. It's yeah. been it's been entirely busy. Like, yeah. yeah I knew it was never going to be a good time to leave, right? You can never leave primary care and have it be a great time for you just of to leave. Of course not. So many people, you know, really depend on you. So it's really hard to give those cases away. You of know, course. it's really tough. So I'm trying to make sure like, everything's, you know, set up well for all my patients, you know, before I go. So. And you, and you've built up a rapport with those people yeah. and, and they trust you and it's hard to, it's hard to kind of go through that transition. Yeah. Now, I, I knew that would be the hardest part for you. I think, yeah. I think there's going to be so much good that comes from you, um, um, getting into a job that you can truly clock out from right. um, in, in, in medical care. Right. But at the same time, like I, I knew that this specific part would be hard for you oh, just man. because you're invested in it. It's been super tough. I'm saying goodbye to 1,500 patients. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. It's and pretty it's, wild. It's been, a, it's been a steady stream of goodbyes over the last uh, couple of months. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah the, the, one, the one thing that's going on new with me is I have – 
we started that new partnership with AMP by uh-huh. Amaz- with Amazon, and we started it last night. And so, like, essentially, like, we were planning on waiting like another couple of weeks before we started it, and then they launched it uh, uh, last night because they were looking to kind of like speed up the growth a little bit. Uh-huh. And and so, like, on the last minute, uh, last minute uh, a phone call on Wednesday or on Monday. My producer's like, yeah, so we're doing amp shows on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm like, aren't we already doing live shows on Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday? And he's like, yeah, yeah, so here's the deal. After the early slate of games, you're going to go and do a live show for amp. Unreal. And then after the night slate of shows, you're going to come do a live show on YouTube. And I'm just like, ah. Just incredible <laughs> amounts of basketball talk. Yeah, and it's just kind of stressful because it's like it's like you're watching the game and you're yeah. doing the notes for the 7:30 show, and then you run and you do the 7:30 show, and then you have to run back and you've missed the first few minutes of the late game, and now you've got to get uh, like up to speed on the late game and then run over. It's just like, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not oh, I know you're a basketball it, freak, but at the same time, like it's uh, it's definitely going to be an adjustment getting used to this yeah. like double, and, and it's kind of like two different platforms too. So you're like trying to make sure that your listeners kind of understand where they're supposed to be to like find your stuff. Like it's a little stressful, but I, I do. You think the dust will settle and, yeah, uh, and everything so. will be fine i hope so um so today we're going to be covering uh andor episode eight i believe Ape, episode eight yeah episode yep. eight you did ask me um to come prepared with a unpopular star wars take yes. to start the show which I'm, yes. glad, I'm glad you did because i didn't think this andor episode was overly uh event filled not right. that we don't have things to talk about but it's right. not like it's it's not nearly as event filled as two episodes ago for instance. i hear you i hear you not quite um, as exciting again uh, more development yeah more development uh, a couple of like like they spent a great deal of time just kind of setting the tone for this prison which right well we'll get to all of that so for sure my unpopular star wars take that i brought as at, at your request um lots of people out there have been praising andor hmm. talking about it as different in a good way for star wars and um i agree but I think that there's been this, like, movement to, like, push away from the Jedi-Sith conflict. Okay. And I thoroughly disagree. I think oh. It's, I think it's fundamental to what makes Star Wars Star Wars, the very clean boundaries of good versus evil uh-huh. and and the Force. And at the end of the day, it's the, it's the foundation of Star Wars. And yep. so, okay. like, you know, they have, for instance, they have this new movie coming out that I texted you about yesterday. Um, that's coming out that they're working on that's based after Rise of Skywalker. And to me, and they said that it's not going to be a Skywalker storyline, which means Rey's not going to be in it. Because Rey's a Skywalker. Because Rey's a Skywalker. (laughs) Like I said, like we joked about it, she didn't say it. Yeah, like I'm Rey Palpatine, bitch. No, she said said, I'm Rey Skywalker. So clearly she should have leaned into her true identity, but instead she embraced Skywalker, which means she cannot be in this new movie. So now... Uh, as a result of that, like we can kind of guess that it's going to be like some potentially non-force oriented movie. Yeah, it's also a standalone movie. So, like, I think that there's almost too much going on that's away from the core mm. principle of Star Wars. When I really think that the issue is, you just need to have a new storyline. It doesn't yeah. need to be Skywalker based to be an interesting Jedi Sith storyline. Yeah, I hope that they don't go away from that entirely. Let's go into the High Republic or the Old Republic. You know, let's exactly. get into Darth Bane. Let's yeah. get into Darth Bane. Yeah, you, you know, I would love that. Yeah. So no, I, I don't think that's terribly unpopular. I, I think that's good. You well, know? I had a hard time. Like when you said that that specific qualifier to me, I had a hard time uh, coming up with an unpopular take. So I want to hear here's yours. my take. <laughs> And I was literally thinking about this because I was watching Rogue One, which, by the way, by far at this point is 
entirely my favorite Star Wars movie uh-huh. of all time. It's a great one. It's incredible. Another Rogue One character showed up in this Andor episode, by the way. K2SO? No. Potentially well, we'll get, in the future? I'll, I'll, I'll save it for a second. And I wonder how, I'm sure they're going to, I'm sure we're going to see K2SO's origin story in Andor. I would imagine so. You did see, uh, the big guy that I saw from Rogue One today's episode was Melshi. Melshi? Uh, he was working at the table with Cassian. Oh. And Mel, Melshi is on the, uh, on the uh, attack squad that goes to Scarif. I had entirely missed that. Yeah, Good work, my friend. You. Good <laughs> work, my friend. We'll get into that. <laughs> my, my unpopular take is BB-8 does almost entirely nothing for me as a Star, as a Star Wars fan. That's so funny. You know what? I actually uh, tend to agree with you. Yeah. There's so many amazing <laughs> droids out there. Uh, K2SO, we were just talking about. Chopper is an amazing droid. Uh, R2-D2, Do you think it's droid. too much of a ripoff of R2-D2 and that's why he's not I think entertaining? They, I think it's R2-D2 too. <laughs> yeah, I do. And then his style of droid just didn't make sense to me like the rolling ball thing like that's not very star wars-esque it's not it's, very star wars-esque and it's also like super impractical i think it's super impractical now granted r2d2 rolling around in the dunes <laughs> <laughs> of not, what is glamis not meant for tattooing uh not meant for tattooing <laughs> at all um but they could get away with it but yeah bb8 does entirely nothing for me I, I I can see that, and also I thought like I, it it almost felt like they just put together this droid and then hired a team of like comedians or comedic writers to sit in a room and be like, come up with six funny things that BB-8 could do. Right. Like oh, li- lighter thumbs up. Yeah. You know, like there the the uh, there was like a the thing that worked for R2D2 is like and it works for K2SO2. And a lot of the droids in the Star Wars universe is like their funniness is believable. Like right. it doesn't like it's the funniness is more the droids' personality. Right, and they're kind of ornery. Yeah, exactly. They're kind of little a holes. Like R two D two is not like a nice droid. He's no, like he's like screw you guys. I have a mission to do. Like, <laughs> right, you know, like it's it's very. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting take. Yeah, I, I tend, that's I my tend take. To agree with you. That's my take. Um, so I think that the um, the most important part of this particular episode. There, because there was a couple like ancillary storylines that felt set up for future, like Cassie's right. prison cell, which we'll talk about. The um, Cyril helping the ISB and then asking for a job. That's going right. to circle back around at some point. Uh, Faye and Cinta are on Ferrix, kind of scoping things out, waiting for Cassian. That'll eventually amount to yep. something. And, but the two, the two like big events that happened were the ISB ends up coming to Ferrix and arresting Bix because she sent that message yeah. from that thing, which clearly they were tracking. Um, and then I thought, and we can start here. I thought the most like impactful and important moment was Luthen going to visit Sal Guerrera and right. basically, basically kind of setting the stage for Sal Guerrera's biggest problem throughout his entire rebel endeavor, which is that he doesn't trust a soul. No, and he refuses to team up with anybody. That that is exactly it. And so that added a lot for Sal Guerrera's backstory. I thought. I thought so. Too. It helped us just understand Saw a little bit more, right? I'm not sure how often he'll be in this show, and like, and I wouldn't be surprised if he if he ends up helping at some point. But like the the, I, I really do think that because we learned in Rogue One from from Mon Mothma that like, Sagarera is basically like completely disconnected from right. the rebel effort. And um, what was funny is like he kind of sits down in the room and. And it's like, it's like, well, that was a nice heist you pulled. It's like, well, actually, it was a nice heist you pulled. And it's like, right. oh, that's what I would say if I pulled a heist. You know, and it's like, they're just going, to, they're just going back know. and forth, like, just playing this stupid game. And like, and then, like, basically, Luthen's like, hey, can I, 
I'll give you all this stuff if you help my, you know, my friend who's this rebel dude and, and, and he's going to need air support. And then, like, the guy's like, actually, you know, I wouldn't help that guy. That guy's a – Right. Like, because he, he just comes up with reasons to not trust everybody yeah. that's outside of his particular team. You know Which is I mean? so ridiculous. He – he Saw is quite literally a, a crazy person. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's obvious. But, um, you know, you need crazy people in rebellions, I guess. He did uh, at one point list off – what appeared to be like a half dozen different like kind of clandestine right. rebel operations and basically say every single one of them are lost. I know. Yeah, yeah they're wrong. I'm right. Um, the, the separatists were, were thrown in there. He, he mentioned the separatists. Well, he, he didn't actually I call them. I don't think he actually called them the separatists. He referred to them as separatists. I think. Oh. Meaning like, meaning like, like he just called like, He's essentially trying to differentiate what he did from what the separatists did. Like, ah. oh, they're just like the separatists. That, that was kind of what I picked up from that. But I, at the end of the day, regardless of what it is, Saw Gerrera clearly feels that, like, his rebel operation is the only one that's right and everyone else is lost. And they're, he, and then he just has to operate on his own. But what, Lu, what Luthen ends up saying to him, which is the, the truly important part, is, like, none of us are capable of doing this. Right. The only way any of this works is if the empire comes down harder, yep. breeds more rebellion, and then everybody teams up. That's the only way yeah. this is working. And, For sure. And, and he's right. And it just yeah. kind of sets that stage. Yeah. So um, we learned that, that Bix has not used that antenna at all mm-hmm. since the incident. Yeah. And uh, she sends a message to Luthen, and she doesn't, res- and Luthen doesn't respond at the. Uh, counsel of his wife slash partner, whoever it is that he's right. All of a sudden, she looks very powerful. Yes, she looks she, very important. Well, and like she's she's clearly a little bit more uh, careful and calculated than Luthen is. Right, Luthen's very like, come on, guys, it's time to do this. Like, let's right. just uh, let's, he's let's all go. stoked. Yeah, like let's, he's ready to just do stuff. He's sick of hiding, and, and yeah, and she's like, idiot, you're gonna get yourself killed, you know? Right. Um. So good thing they don't respond though, because it turns out the ISB is clearly tracking like any and all transmissions. That, that was are critical. Off that was absolutely critical because that would have pulled everything apart, and then Mon Mothma probably would have got pulled into it too. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny is the uh, the uh, the dude that she asked because like the, the the dude that owns that shipyard that allows her to to use that like antenna, uh-huh. he basically was like, I think this is a bad idea, right? And well, you know, and what? then she, she pushes right. through, huh? Yeah. What do you think about the? Um, the cell that that uh, Cassian is in. You kind of mentioned that we're going to talk about. Oh yeah, so okay, dude. This this prison concept. Like, I thought this was such an interesting concept because like yes. you could tell like the, the 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 Lucasfilm story group took a great deal of time being like, how could we make a dope Star Wars prison? It's I like, thought okay, so too. We're in the middle of an ocean. And if you try to swim out from the ocean, like you immediately get sucked into these like that was <laughs> that <laughs> was incredible. I know, and I loved. So this is how detailed Star Wars can be, and this is why I love it. They didn't even highlight that. Like you know, a, a, an active brain would have to be watching that, like you or I, who's who's pretty analytical, I'd say. And then we'd think to ourselves, "This is my thought process, at least, huh?" There's gaping holes that's there's sucking down water, right? What's the uh, what's the advantage for that? Well, number one, no one can swim past those. Number two, I wonder if that's like a power generator source. Uh, we saw like a gaping hole that's in um, Scarif uh, in Rogue One, and th- their entire building is like built over one, and all this water's like just funneling down. Oh, I don't even remember it. that on Scarif. Yeah, interesting. 
And, uh, and I wonder if that, yeah. So, so number one, it's a deterrent of course, but I wonder if it could also be used as like a power generator. For that them. was my original thought. So like, have you ever seen Oblivion with Tom Cruise and the, and no. the uh, that's, uh, it's such a great sci-fi movie, but like basically an artificial intelligence, uh, they call it the Tet, but it's basically like a giant, like triangle prism thing that shows up, uh, blows up the moon and then uh, slowly basically takes over earth to steal their resources and the main resource that he's after it that, that the artificial intelligence is after is uh seawater huh. so they drop these like massive machines down into the ocean and it's just sucking in the seawater basically it's and, wild. And, and using it to power their like their generators or whatever and that was my original thought but then like after after i kind of got the concept of it i'm like oh i get this like literally yeah. this is just like a, you can't swim off so they made them take their shoes off in the ship before right. they ever got there then they demonstrate basically that like it's basically like the floor is lava essentially (laughs) that would suck so bad dude so there's there's one part so i always talk about times when i get sucked out of the star wars universe Uh right snowboarding boots are very distracting i'm 90 percent sure that those are just like store-bought snowboarding boots rebranded as imperial boots yeah it looks like they took they like they took uh snowboard boots and then like pulled the clasps off yeah and then like did some like paint or something like that <laughs> yeah those but are like i bet you could buy those bad boys like, oh, somewhere dude, i totally i totally thought the same thing i was like these are snowboard boots <laughs> um but yeah like it's such an interesting concept because then essentially like the only safe spot is their cell yeah at any given moment they can be charged they use it for like and then it's like in your so what do you think they were building in their their cells i thought uh in their little like um, you know little factory rooms, uh-huh. I, I, my guess was either shield generator or hyperdrives. What did you mm. think, dude? I don't know. I, I didn't even get that deep just because I wasn't recognizing any of the pieces that they were putting together. Mm. I, I didn't yeah. obviously you don't recognize any of it, but it just kind of like it just if we remember shield generators typically in Star Wars have had like a cyclical. Uh, row of um, oh yeah basically like disc shaped type of things right and then um. And hyperdrive is probably less likely, but like that, my first guess was shield generator. But like my guess is they're building parts for the Imperial Navy, essentially, right. or something along. Yeah, those that's lines. what I think. And then if you're the slowest group, you just get shocked every oh single day. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. You know how I keep talking about how um, the Empire has a lot of parallels with like Nazi Germany. Yeah, they did another one. It's what like was that? it's nonstop. So um, the other one is there is kind of like. Um, uh, for for the barracks where where the prisoners were staying, uh, in in like Nazi Germany or wherever, they would have one of the the prisoners be in control of them, uh-huh. and essentially it was someone who is relatively seasoned, and then that person who was in control was in a really tough spot because if they noticed someone acting out, their job was then to tell the Nazis. And that's essentially what that guy was doing who was like cracking the whip and getting all the other prisoners to, to do their jobs. But then it, the issue is, is if something goes missed, the person who is supposed to be in control gets disciplined for mm-hmm. it. And it's a really interesting way to like run a prison system. But yeah, that was another parallel. It's just like all these parallels I keep noticing. It's wild. And I don't know if they meant to do it or if I had just been to you know Germany recently. Well, that's um, a, that's an interesting one because I didn't even know that. Yeah, from, it's a really uh, interesting concept. Germany. Yeah, um, but I think that's I think that's clearly uh, they're trying to draw a lot of like specific uh, uh, parallels there. Like I, I don't, I'm sure you picked up on the on the conversation between Mon Mothma and the other senators when they were throwing around some of those like Trump buzzwords where it was like, oh, I he didn't... speaks what's on his mind and stuff oh. like that. <laughs> <laughs> like they were, oh, you know, Palpatine he says what's on his mind, like that kind of stuff, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Yeah, um, that's definitely something that they're 
they're they're they're driving at trying to draw uh, parallels on that front. Right. Um, the other the other thing too that's kind of why we're talking politics a little bit. Um, they have the PORD, which is what was it? Um, Public order. Um, resentencing directive. Yeah, they doubled everyone's prison sentence. Can you imagine? Oh. Okay, and especially when your numbers too. like oh, on your cell, it's like just. Boop. I know. <laughs> like, so what? <laughs> five days left. You're like, all right, I can do you know ten days total. Can you imagine? All right, fifteen years. All of a sudden, thirty years. Can you no. imagine if you were on a six-year prison sentence and you had made it f- like five and a half years in and you're seeing a number of like 120 and the next thing you know, it just goes like, boop, back up to like 2,300 and you're like, ah. Oh, that would have <laughs> hurt. I would I would have jumped into the lava as well. Well, they, they, uh, they had like a weird moment where they like, they were almost like questioning and, and um, what's his face? Um, Melshi was actually leading this. But like they they were questioning him and like uh, trying to figure out how he got in there because yeah. it, it was almost like they were uh, trying to figure out who was responsible. Right, for something changed. Is it you? You're new. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes like, "What did you do?" And then he's like, "Nothing." And then the guy was like, "We've seen a lot of that lately." Yeah, uh, which is you know, which, which is, is true. true. I mean, he literally was a tourist <laughs> walking yeah. around. Quite literally, I'm sure there's a lot of just regular average Joes who are there who did absolutely nothing. Because you think of prison systems like okay, bad people, right? And then, no, all those dudes probably just were doing nothing. Yeah, like very similar type of things. I mean, the dude got six years, basically, for running into a trooper <laughs> while other people were running away. A shore trooper, yeah. yeah. Other people were running away, and he ran into a trooper and got six years in prison. Like, Cass- yeah, stuff. and Cassian's already definitely planning his escape, right? So he was he was um, analyzing the room that he was in, all the snow, the snow boot holder room, you know? He was definitely checking that out. I think that's going to be part of his huh. escape. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't pick up on that at, at first. I, when he was watching the, um, um, when he was watching the like the the, the actual factory work itself, it looked like he uh-huh. was trying to like, like pick up the the paces of what they were doing. Right. There was that weird scene where like everyone was in the clear tunnels, uh-huh. walking to their cells, and yep. then they were communicating through sign language. Dude, I think that's part of the escape as well. Oh, yeah, I think he's going to team up with that dude. Them. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to team up with that dude. That's how they're going to communicate with other sections of the, uh, of the, probably the prison. It. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think they're going to use that little sign language thing to, to escape. So when you rewatch Rogue One, you'll hear the, the phrase Melshi a couple times, but he, I believe, is the one... Who, when um, when they need to club uh, plug in the uh, the thing into the um, the base so that he can send the message that they need to blow up the, oh, the shield yeah, gate, uh-huh. Melshi is the one who actually runs out there and no way and and tries to plug it in. I think he gets shot and no then the pilot way. ends up having to go up, but he dies in the battle of Scarif. Yeah, that's wild. Um, Very cool. So let's see the uh, um, obviously so the uh, the ISP report from the incident on Ferrix is missing some key details. Right. Um, and basically the, uh, the ISB agent calls in serial and then it turns out this whole time he's been like just dropping a bunch of fake anonymous <laughs> tips to the ISB to try to get Cassie caught. <laughs> he's like, I actually know. it's been six times. She's like, yeah, I'm not counting the one. From I know <laughs> he's just been trying to infiltrate systems. <laughs> he's okay he's a driven dude i yes. do not think he ends up being good anymore there's there you know you and i were talking oh, i wonder if he can end up being good because he realizes that the empire just pushes things too far no he's he's got this he's got this personal thing with cassian well, going on. He, remember, what did he say he, he, what was this, the one liner he dropped it was something along the lines of like it was like if uh 
a rebellion must be crushed at the slightest bit. It, he said something along the line that was super overly ruthless, like, <laughs> like dissent must be crushed or something like that. Go back to like, your mom's apartment yeah, and like, like design dude. some clothes or something. <laughs> Chill out. Yeah, go have more like a weird banter with your mother who <laughs> About clearly your collar is size. very disappointed with your, <laughs> your, your accomplishments in life. Um, but yeah, so then finally it's clear that she wants a specific piece of information yeah. from him about what Luthen, you know, looks like some sort of descriptor and he can't offer that. Right. And so then she's like, all right, dude, get out of here. You know? I know. <laughs> He's wearing a green cloak. He had pants gray, on. Gray, gray green. Gray, yeah. gray green. Yeah. Black, black boots. <laughs> Shores, shoes of sorts. <laughs> he also had hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, I, the, I guess the only the, the last thing that we have to hit on is just with Faye and Cinta being on Ferrix. Yeah. Um, so Faye and Cinta are clearly in some oh, sort of Vel. romantic. Vel. Vel, sorry. Yeah. Vel and Cinta are on Ferrix, and they're in some sort of uh, romantic relationship with each other. Right. And um, Cinta basically tells Vel, you need to leave because I, I can watch this. It'll be less intense if I'm here alone. Right. And then Vel is upset because she wants to be with her, obviously, and they've been separated too often. But I, the one thing that's interesting there is, like, that remember, they're there to kill Cassian. I see. Not yeah. to... Uh, not to like capture him or do anything like that. They're they're there to good close reminder. off a, a loose end. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Um, we did learn that uh, Cassian's mom is ill and doing funny stuff like uh, messing with stormtroopers and I know trying to open gates so that the rebels can come in and take over I the know. city. <laughs> she, she's so cute. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. She means so well. She means so well. She's, she's just going in. down. She, she she's is. all in. She is invested. She's, she's ready to do her thing. Well, what it, uh, it's just so funny how the the um, Bix and the other guy they're just like she's a rebel dude yep. she's a rebel I know just let her do her thing yeah did, she's did you not, have anything else in your notes yeah I, uh, two things or er, a couple things actually so um, Mon Mothma's relationship with her husband was clearly political and they even state they that they straight it was. up come out and said it. Yep. they married at 15 yep. and for political reasons as was the yep. custom of Chandrilla he is a sketch ball he bothers me a lot apparently yep. and he's he's clearly doesn't like the dude that uh that because uh, remember at one point he was like you're around a lot these days yeah. or something like that and well which to be clear uh mon mothma did say that he was going to be on coruscant a lot more because he was going to basically be the chairman of that charity thing that she was making. yeah mm-hmm. um i think there's probably a 50 50 chance that daughter ends up getting into the rebellion mon mothma's daughter she seems see a little that. bit rebellious. I also think there's a 50-50 chance that her husband is the one that ends up eventually outing her and getting her in trouble. I, I totally agree with that. Um, the other thing is, so I'm, I've been trying to figure out why Andor looks like Star Wars, but doesn't 100% feel like Star Wars. And I think it's the music. You brought up the music last last time, and it was kind of like techno vibe on the, on the shores. Um, something that's like... Um, Something that's in the heart of Star Wars is the type of music that, that's played in it. For example, in Rogue One, there's a, an amazing scene where the Hammerhead Corvette launches itself into the side of that Star Destroyer. Excellent scene. And then, oh, it's the best. And then it, that Star Destroyer gets pushed into the other one and essentially like cleaves the other uh, Star Destroyer in half. It uh-huh. almost like beheads the other Star Destroyer. It's super cool. And there's like almost this... this um, this uh like feeling of silence during that scene but then there's this this like orchestra playing in the back it, and it's oh yeah super cool Andor doesn't have any of that it's all very modern like 
like techno space did, did Mandalorian have type music orchestra I don't, or did Mandalorian follow similar I'm trying to remember with the they they had like more powerful um uh oh they, they had like did western have like a, vibe music remember that kind like the, of with like whistling like the Mandalorian like whistle it did sound. have some uh Mandalorian did have some definite western vibes and then they had like a lot of like actual like vocal singing in mandalorian yeah dude your memory is impeccable with dude, this it's just stuff. I, well no it's just like the the music like is so important when it comes to stuff like this and it, i think oh, that's I what i finally figured out is like okay i'm loving andor it looks like star wars but it, there's still something just a little bit different than that other than the fact that it's a little bit more um gritty than other like star wars j- stuff. john williams is, uh, is 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 super jaded now just wants like two million an episode to score <laughs> they're gonna have to I'll, I'll step up i'll do star wars music for andor like do you have any experience no but i've got a macbook and garage band <laughs> I, I dj at hi-fi on fridays <laughs> people i literally have hundreds of followers <laughs> no and then the last thing too is um i'm pretty sure that there's a sith holocron in Luthen's shop. Really? Yeah. And you know what? So I looked into this a little bit more because I noticed it. It's a triangular Sith holocron like I think most Sith holocrons are. And um, and I looked into it and I was like, oh, like this looks like a Sith holocron. And then I Googled it and they've been talking about this since like episode five, I guess. So it's something that I haven't picked up on until now. Interesting. The only thing that I would say there is like, yeah, I have a hard time believing because um, we know from Darth Bane that the yeah. Sith like hunt down these holocrons yeah. as sources of power and information yeah. and knowledge and there's just it just it's hard to believe that um that palpatine i totally would have agree. a holocron chilling under his I nose totally in an agree. antique shop it has on. to be a replica because yeah. then all of a sudden palpatine's showing up right could you imagine the chancellor shows up oh what is this the, the triangle oh, that I would like be such an awesome I, I like the way it scene. looks that would be actually <laughs> luthan where'd you get this and luthan's just entirely entirely unaware of what he was holding he's like i did feel a little angry when i was holding this it's just it's just like darth and Dedu and the and the and the pathway to essence transfer just like underneath luthan's nose just nose. always on coruscant little little deep yeah Star Wars so that those were the last thing yeah the last things that i thought that, the, the music one's interesting i'm just so unaware of that kind of stuff because literally like i the one time i remember noticing the music was the the beach club vibe, yeah you know yeah yeah but I, I overall i'm loving it it's it's still i think it's still adding a lot to star wars for us it, it's cool even to get like the insights into characters that are lesser known uh sobbing one of them i think things are going to heat up pretty quickly here in the next four episodes i think so too not a lot of time left yeah i think so too all right, guys, that is all we have for today. Keep an eye on the feeds. Uh, we, all, we also have an episode on the House of the Dragon finale coming out soon. As always, we appreciate your guys' support, and we will see you next time. Thanks a lot.